Welcome to the Soul Surgery Podcast. My name is Nikki Clinch and I am your host. I am a maturation facilitator, teacher and coach, integrative holistic health counselor, breathwork facilitator and author. I am the founder of the Academy of Maturation Coaching, The Alchemy of Being, where I train as many people as I can to become powerful spaces for human beings to come home to their authentic truth. Maturation is a powerful evolutionary process of dissolving trauma, breaking free of stuck patterns, and growing and healing at the taproot. Growing out of who we thought we were from the stories led by our past conditioning, in order to grow and evolve into who we were born to be. In this podcast, I will be sharing many different things with you, opening up the doorways to my coaching sessions where you can witness with your own eyes how trauma contaminates our reality and how we can dissolve it, heal it at the root and rewrite the story of our lives, reclaiming our power and reminding each one of us that who we are is wholeness. I will be interviewing some of the world's most prominent teachers in spirituality, healing, transformation, and human involvement, and sharing with you my own teachings and learnings along the way, and above all, sharing with you my heart. The purpose of this podcast is to remind each one of you who you really are, to open up the doorway to a new possibility, to a new paradigm, to healing, health, transformation, and our involvement as individuals and a species. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. One thing that you can do for me, if you find this podcast useful and if you love it, please do subscribe. And if you feel called to leave a review because reviews really matter. They help to spread the word and help to spread this podcast to as many people as we can. And lastly, If you have any big aha moments, any shifts, any insights in any of these episodes, please do share it with me. Share with me which episode it was, where in the episode it happened, and how it has impacted you and your life. So without further ado, let's get going. I hope you enjoy today's episode on the Soul Surgery Podcast. Hello, Michaela. Thank you so much for coming to speak with me on the Soul Surgery podcast. I've been so excited to speak with you and meet with you today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted. Um, All is well where I'm at in California, so it's a bit smoky, but we're good. No fires in my direct vicinity. Uh, Oh, that's good to hear. How have you been how have you been coping with this big turbulent time that we're going through right now just yourself and your work and where you are how how have you been doing through that um you know it's been very interesting because i'm used to being on the road right i'm on the road more or less all year i go between australia and the uk and europe and the us and so Um, my traveling feet are itching mightily, (laughs) you know, I just, I would love to be out and about, but that's of course not what's happening. So this is the longest I've been home in many, many years. Uh, It's been six straight months. And uh, so it definitely takes a bit of recalibrating uh, when, you know, when you're used to being on the road and uh, creative in that way as well. But uh, um, let's put it this way. I always love the challenge of creatively adapting teaching as it is. So this has been very interesting in adapting things for online and also offering different things and looking at um, what can be done to support people at home. So it's been all in all uh, creatively good and interesting and challenging and, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, actually that, that's, that's so perfect and relevant. My opening question to you was, you know, with lockdown and this pandemic and this massive change that felt like it came out of nowhere for everyone, you know, our apparent freedoms got taken away and we got called back into our homes and all the the things that we used to fill our lives got removed and so we were left so many of us or all of us were left in our homes with this simpler life and 
you know, facing each other as couples, facing ourselves. So, you know, when I hear you speak, I hear I hear that that listening to be able to adapt that adventurer, that wild spirit in us to the present moment. Like, how do we do that? So what can you say for the couples, married couples, the partners, the relationships that have been in lockdown and, and in this new way of life that, you know, have been facing themselves in this way for the first time? Like, how do we keep that how do we adapt and find that new flow? That's a good question. Mm. <laughs> One to which we are still finding the answers, of course, right? Mm. Um, well, there's a few things to consider that are, I think, really important to consider, which is uh, that we are used to, because uh, for many years now, you know, with social media and, and things of that nature, uh, a lot of people have lived their lives very externally focused. Yes. Right? It's yes. all about how it looks and how other people do it. And can we do it like other people? And there's very unrealistic standards to begin with. Right. And mm -hmm. um, there's also an assumption that things are taken care of from the external world. Mm -hmm. And when that all falls away, uh, a few things can happen. You know, first it's, hugely disorienting because a lot of people are also externally referenced for their standing in the world. Yes. Right? yes. We define ourselves through our jobs and careers and, you know, our children, how they are connected in school and all of those kind of things are the, the ties that suspend us in our space in a meaningful way, so to speak. Right. Yes. And when that's yes. no longer the case, when you're no longer identified through going out there, slaying the dragon or going out there, um, taking care of your children or, you know, you, whatever it is, even a yoga class or something, mm -hmm. um, it can be quite sobering and um, also quite disconcerting. So mm -hmm. I think the first and foremost thing to consider is that we have to have patience and compassion and understanding for ourselves in a situation that is not something we've ever experienced. Yes. You know? yes. Um, yes. We yes. all grew up in a time, you know, uh, where we had incredible freedoms, probably more freedoms than any generations before us, you know, societal freedoms, freedoms to choose, freedom who we want to marry or not, you know, having children out of wedlock, all of those things didn't even exist in the 50s or mm. 60s, you know. Um, mm. So I, I think first things first is understanding that these are not normal times and one cannot understand um, or, or expect that business is being carried forth as normal. Yes. I think that's yes. really, really important. So um, the, you know, the Instagram perfect um, home situation is no more when you have to homeschool two children and you are working from home while your children are there and your partner is working from home. Um, you're probably not going to have an easy time and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So the mark of a good relationship is that when the fault lines appear, because this will make the fault lines appear, yes. um, you kind of go into cooperation mm -hmm. and uh, you just go, okay, well, here we are. What can we do to make this better? Mm -hmm. no? How can yes. we arrange ourselves so this is bearable? Yes. Not, you're not giving me enough sex and I hate you because you're here all day now and breathing down yes. my neck. Yes. Well, yeah, it can't be changed. Yes. So yes. Uh, collaboration and cooperation is the is the, the name of the game at the moment, not um, innovation or, uh, <laughs> you know, or conflict uh, at this particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I, I, I really hear that. And I hear, I also was really present to worth. I kept hearing worth, you know, when, when those things that we were attached to get removed, even like you say, just the, the regular morning schedule to go to yoga or take the kids to school when all of that is is removed 
you know, I, I feel like so many people, including myself, were, were forced to face ourselves and our worth and our value in ourselves, in our homes. And then if you're in a relationship next to our partners who are probably going through the same. And so, yeah, compassion and collaboration. Collaboration and what was the second word that you said? Cooperation and collaboration. Cooperation <laughs> you know? and collaboration, yes. I mean, I when I was looking into your work and I'm halfway through your beautiful book, Wild Woman's Way, uh, unlocking your full potential through power, pleasure and fulfillment. I mean, I, <laughs> I was so moved that you chose those three words, power, pleasure and fulfillment. I, I was moved because it personally connected with me. You know, I'm a 41 year old woman. I have two young children. I'm still breastfeeding my second. I run a busy business and somehow at the age of 41, somehow this year something has started to change for me and I have started to discover a new sense of pleasure and connection and energy within myself and I as I started reading your book I I started to connect the dots and it and it has come hand in hand with a, a connection with my body a, a more of a peace with the body a more of a peace with my own power and I think what I hear in your book is that it's so connected for women like this, our worth, our bodies. So can you speak a little bit about, you spoke about social media. Can you speak a bit, a little bit about how women today might be able to start finding more peace with the bodies that they have and the energy that they have and where they are versus the, the picture of how it should be for them? Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not an easy thing and there is no quick fixes here in the sense that um, even though we have a lot more freedom right, and we're much more empowered than, let's say, even our mothers and grandmothers were, mm -hmm. um, there is still a very strong orientation, not only from, it's not just uh, you know, the patriarchy, which is always blamed for everything. Right? It's not just that. It, uh, it's systems within ourselves mm -hmm. uh, where we value ourselves based on the way we look and we measure ourselves against other women. That didn't just come from the outside. It's something that has to do with a uh, certain competitiveness and uh, once again, the lack of collaboration and cooperation between women. Uh, we're no longer in a construct where other women are our biggest allies, right? Naturally, because we are no longer raised in, in groups of women, right? If yes. we're lucky, yes. uh, we have a few female relatives that have an influence on it, but that's not always the case. You know? mm. And so, and also they're not always the best role models. So we have uh, intrinsically lost the uh, collaborative um, aspect of women um, helping other women raise their children, um, you know, attending each other's childbirths, um, you know, having rites of passage, all of those are no longer natural things. It's coming back a bit, thankfully. Um, and, you know, it, it's certainly something that is talked about again, but for most people, that's not the reality they grew up with, unless they grew up in a hippie commune or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so we have a way of measuring our worth by our bodies and our youth and our sexual value, mm. simply because, and this is really important to understand, that is how evolution made us hmm. right wow. so yes and that's something that most people don't want to hear or admit or never think about when you look at evolution of humankind mm -hmm. you know there is a survival of the fittest aspect in the sense that those who had health and vibrancy and um beauty right and all of those kind of things had a better choice of partner mm. that's just the way it goes right and so within that 
um, you have to kind of see that how we choose mates is also based on that because we're looking at how can raise our children best, right? Who can raise our children best? Who has the most resources so our children survive a long winter? Because mm. that's how it used to be, right? Mm. There was no corner stores or things like that. So um, there was, evolutionarily speaking, a trading for your vibrancy and with that health and genetic well-being against the best resource so the children you produced could live. Hmm. Because if you um, chose to have children with the uh, um, very good-looking, hunky cave idiot... (laughs) He would definitely have been the one I chose. (laughs) (laughs) Probably couldn't hunt in the winter. Right. You probably couldn't take care of business in the winter. So you might have had a really gorgeous child with the gorgeous cave idiot, but he didn't have the resources. While if you were the third wife of the incredibly decrepit village chief, right, who had vast resources, you were supported by the other wives. You know, by the women in the village, you were part of a, a, a construct and a group and you were taken care of. So this is very simplified, but just to say that these um, biological knee-jerk reactions, right, mm. are still in us. Mm. And so, so because they're still in us, we still value ourselves as those uh, vibrant, shiny, beautiful, um, having great DNA um, you know, vessels, so to speak, yes, because yes, that also yes. gives us the best chance of having an adequate mate. So there's nothing wrong with that intrinsically. Um, of yes, course, this then yes. gets supported by fashion magazines, Instagram, and men who like the look of very beautiful, shiny women, right? Mm-hmm. But as you probably probably also know a lot of men who like the look of very beautiful you know shiny women and look at their instagram accounts wouldn't actually want to be with them Mm. because there's more to life than having an incredibly nice um let's call it derriere you know ass exactly you know the nice ass isn't making nice uh you know nice conversation necessarily (laughs) not that kind of conversation so um it's a it's a biological knee jerk it's not everything and so um we have to know and and make peace with the biological knee jerk because that's there and befriend that aspect of us yes um, before we go beyond it and how we befriend it is that we look at the parts of our body that we do like Mm -hmm. and that we look at the parts of our body that give us power and satisfaction and joy and that could be anything from the fact that you can breastfeed your child that you gave birth but also you know you might like your hair or your you know your toes or something like that everyone has something that they can accept and that's where you start and then you Mm -hmm. unpack from there the attributes of your body that really serve you well and that then you could have some pride in your body and some joy in your body's activity and ability that goes mm-hmm. beyond um, pure visual because that mm-hmm. will go over time mm-hmm. that will go you know with our best efforts that will go as yes. I can attest, being in my 50s now you know <laughs> so that and there's nothing you can do about it I mean there's things you can do about it surgically but even that only goes so far right but you have to just deal with it at some point Mm -hmm. but what what we do have and and this is what you are pointing to is as we get older our capacity for living in our body and our capacity for pleasure actually increases so uh, what we might lose in skin tone we actually gain an internal capacity for vast pleasure and enjoyment Mm -hmm. and also knowing who we are 
And yes. once you know yes. who you are, you really gain power and you really gain power, not as in a perverted sense of power, but a personal power and a personal mm -hmm. empowerment because you actually know what you're about. And that's yes. um, also, mind you, very sexy. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. You know, it's been kind of mind blowing to me to start to realize that my pleasure is is my business <laughs> like i think about my 20s and i think about my 30s and i was looking outside of myself for the pleasure and yes. and my fulfillment and my power and and it has and my ability to have more pleasure has come hand in hand with this realization oh my pleasure is my business my fulfillment is my business uh, yeah and and i guess that that comes with with growing older and finding more at peace with yourself i when you when you were speaking about evolving that evolutionary growth i feel like that's happening in every sense like that's happening for the woman, the feminine that's happening in the masculine that's happening in whatever relationship even is and how it looks like and like we're kind of in the middle of this evolutionary process right now. Would you say that that's having a, I mean, is that have, what kind of impact is that having on, on men and women and couples and relationships? It's like, I don't think we even really know where we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't know where we are right now. Um, I want to say one more thing about what you just said, which is that, True empowerment, of course, comes from being able to supply yourself with pleasure and with well-being and with a sense of self and self-worth, mm. right? Because mm. as long as we need it from the outside, it can be taken from us. We're dependent on someone, a man, yes. uh, society, and things like that. So finding it within yourself um, is definitely uh, a matter of um you know self-empowerment mm. can you speak more about that let's go down that more and go deeper into that how can a woman today who's never done any of this work before how can she start to find pleasure or connect with pleasure in herself first how does where does that even begin so when we look at how do we connect with our own pleasure and how do we even find that, the first thing is very basic, right? A lot of people want to go straight to the sex tips and the big vibrator or the whatever, right? The, the, and that's our natural way of wanting to get right to the goal, right? Yes. But there's a few steps before then that have to be um, taken into account. Otherwise, it's not sustainable or it won't have the proper results, so to speak. And so where it starts is our body has to be listened to. And a lot of what happens in our body isn't um, apparent to us, of course, because we have to live life and um, we're all also super busy and so our body has a natural mechanism to numb us to the sensations of the body otherwise no woman ever could wear a bra <laughs> right <laughs> we have to kind of numb ourselves to the to what's happening more or less because um there is there is just too much information going on but of course what that also means is that we're not always clued into the pleasurable sensations in our body and when we sit and when we think and when we talk and when we type and when we text our body is essentially just parked right and yes. all the energy is needed up here so first step is to come back into the body meaning be aware of the messages of the body and actually feel what's going on in there and we don't always like doing that because then also the unpleasant stuff shows up can be uncomfortable, yes. can be uncomfortable. there is will be things that we have suppressed that are not wanting to come to the surface but our ability to have pleasure has uh is directly related to our ability to feel all strong sensations and emotions you know, yes. you can't have incredible, you know, earth shattering pleasure and not also feel uh, grief or sadness or anger. 
that's yes, not yes. really possible you know yes, in, in yes. a sustainable fashion so sensitizing to the messages of the body or proper embodiment you could say is step number two and then step yes. uh, step number one step number two is relaxation mm. actually being able to relax the body so the body can be more open yeah. And yeah. that's also super important. Which goes so against as well, you know, how the modern woman is is living most of the time. You know, I, I, I certainly have struggled this myself. I see this a lot is, you know, how fast we move, how busy we are, busy how hard we push, where, you know, how how powerful, powerful we are. But actually it's it's numbing us. Yeah, it's incredibly a relaxation. So. Say that yeah. one again. I said incredibly so. It's numbing yes. us incredibly yes. so. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. relaxation and relaxation as in the existential in our body that we carry when we do things. Like you said, push, right? Push is extra tension, tension that's not needed for the activity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of our push is emotional push, right? Mental push. Uh, Mm -hmm. must do must achieve must get there there is a kind of a clench that comes with that and that clench um, essentially keeps us from feeling deeper and it also keeps us from the actual energy being freed you know the real power and and potency because there's a tightness over it that makes it so we have to kind of apply ourselves in exactly the way we want to not take into account that there is a much bigger wisdom where we could have a lot more available energy and with that wisdom and with that also resource if we weren't quite as tight about it and quite as focused about it so that's one aspect of relaxation the other one of course is relaxation as in actually unwinding and taking time and so um undoing tension patterns is something we can do within the activity mm-hmm. and then proper rest and relaxation and restful activities, joyous, restful activities, you know, hobbies, movement, uh, play, you know, connection. That's the other aspect of, of that. Mm. And then the third step, <laughs> you have <Yeah>. a question. <laughs> no, I was just saying that I was just going to say that, you know, I can, well, I, I see that, relaxation itself can bring up a lot for women can it bring up a lot of deep emotional um trauma and and it brings up that relationship that we have with trust and are we going to be supported are we going to be taken care of if we slow down if we let go will will we be okay that's what i see and and so i can hear that in itself just the relaxation part is an an invitation for real deep healing absolutely you know there is just so much in there um and it's so hard to come by because nothing supports that and now this brings us back to the pandemic of course right Mm -hmm. um for some people the pandemic has been a chance to do that right Mm. for us Others, not so much because it's actually taken more of a toll because there's more to do in the home. So it's not, uh, you know, uh, one uh, approach fits all for the pandemic, right? Because uh, some people are having a really, really hard time. And, yes. you know, yes. it's, it's not good. Uh, I have a friend, she has three children that all three are in different schools and all three have different school programs and she has a full-time job and her husband has a full-time job Uh, so you know not everybody can um, attend to that right now and that's also important to know Uh, but we can all spend 10 minutes somewhere right we can all take extra 10 minutes in the shower or in a bath or sit quietly with a cup of tea for 10 minutes um, it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour of meditation or yoga or whatever. It can, yes. it can be done in minute uh, increments as well. Yes. You know, I was watching an interview that you did last night. I was watching it last night and um, my husband was in the other room and 
I I I noticed in the interview you talked about um, flight, fight, or freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. And as I was watching your interview, I could feel how both of us were so shut down at that time. He was in his room, I was in my room. Kids were asleep, desperate for time alone, and. You know, we could have easily just gone the rest of the night in that sort of shut down separate place. And I, I watched your interview. And so instead of going that way, continuing to go that way, the shutdown, I just went in and I just put my hand on his neck and I just I just stroked his neck for a moment. And it was amazing to me how such a simple thing created softness in my body. It created softness between us and it just makes me think it's these little moments isn't it in these times of such difficulty just finding little moments with yourself and with each other it doesn't have to be like the big the big emotional moment (laughs) yeah and that's the important piece right and this is the thing that um sometimes people kind of despair about because people want these big things, right? Um, But nobody can really actually follow through with those big things. So it's a tiny little bit all the time, you know, that makes a big difference. And my teacher always used to say, the best practice is the practice you actually do. And, you know, and that's in the times of aspiration, right? When we're all living these aspirational lifestyles, it's really important to remember that you can make a huge difference in your own body, like you said, in somebody else's body in 20 seconds, in a minute. And then that exponentially builds those little minutes at a time. They don't add up to a straight, whatever, 10 minutes, they add up so much more because it's an exponential engagement with yourself with the other through the body and uh, that's the important thing nobody can say that they don't have enough time to do the thing that you did right just go in there have a moment of connection and then Mm -hmm. feel how your own body softens feel how his body softens and then Mm -hmm. that's the beginning of a connection and then that can feel um, like okay there's hope and so on and so on right so yes. that's doable regardless of your circumstances and if you can't yes. make a minute or two then um, something is seriously wrong or you are seriously stuck in martyrdom yes yeah. <laughs> oh <Ooh. laughs> yes there was that there was something that you said also in an interview I watched with um with you and I wanted to talk about it you you spoke about how there are three let me get this right there are three people in a in a relationship there's you there's him and then there's the dynamic of the relationship and so often the dynamic takes over is that right the the dynamic of the relationship is what's living the relationship and yes oh goodness that and that yeah because that's really that's the story isn't it that's the martyrdom that's the fight that's the whatever we're willing to, we want to hold on to instead of seeing each other. Yeah. Oh, goodness yeah. me. Can you speak That's a bit really to... important. You know, I want to say a thing about that quickly because that's really important and it doesn't matter, right? These things, because one of the things that's really happened recently, particularly I would say in the last 10 years is everything is through the lens of, Uh, gender and uh, you know through the lens of polarity and there's so much more to human dynamics you know and so it's really really important to understand that in any relationship romantic or otherwise same sex or opposite sex doesn't matter right there is a there's your your being the other being and then there is an entity that is formed by the relationship dynamic and the relationship dynamic is influenced by a couple of factors. And a big factor is the imprints from your upbringing, right? How you were taught relationship. Then another factor is your previous relationship imprints, right? So your, um, your um, you know, plus and minuses of previous relationships. And then, and this is very important, your trauma patterns. 
right? And so um, often the entity of the relationship is the part of us that lives out previous injury and seeks out behaviors that we know from previous injury. And so um, if you have a relationship with anyone longer than a couple of years, you have that entity in the room, so to speak. And so that's super, super important to know because that particular dynamic um, can make you feel a little bit like, why am I doing this again? How did we end up here again? You know, I, this all started really nicely. And now look where we are, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the dynamic that is self-perpetuating at a certain moment in time. And knowing that is very freeing in itself because mm -hmm. then you know you're not just crazy or the other person isn't just plain evil. It's a matter of unpicking that relationship dynamic. Yes, and when you start to see that, I would imagine a lot of couples are starting to see that if not have been seeing that in lockdown, there's nowhere to, there's no distractions. There's, we don't get a lot of space and suddenly the entity, the, the, the patterns are just ex exaggerated by a million. So when, when you first see that and you see, wow, how did I end up here? What would you say is the step, the next step? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's always a few things to consider. One of which is that there is no real replacement for a good therapist. Um, and, I, you know, that, that's not something that's commonly acknowledged because people somehow think that you have to be pretty broken or things have to be pretty messed up to go and do therapy. Mm -hmm. But as a matter of fact, in an ideal world, you do the education on what drives you before you are in trouble. That's, mm -hmm. of course, not how it usually works out. <laughs> Most people, very rarely do I get clients who go, or even people in workshops who go, well, we're here to educate ourselves before things go wrong. There is yeah. people like that, yeah. but very few, right? So I think it's important that you have a roadmap of what drives you. So when you end up in some dead-end street you know how you got there that i think is very very important so and i don't think there's any good substitute for that um, because it's good to have a guide who knows the basic lay of the land if we want to stick with the map analogy but parallel to that or in absence of that because also really good people are not that many and they're quite hard to find often um, and sometimes, sometimes people don't have the, you know, the, the means to do that either. But in the absence of that, what you can do is that when you realize that you end up in the same place again and again, that when you end up in that place, one or two people have the wherewithal to disengage. And that, that takes a certain kind of fortitude and also maturity because, you know, we want to be right and we want to kind of perpetuate that pattern but you can pretty much in a sane moment go well we always end up here so when that happens you have to just be able to say okay let's step away let us just step away this is the moment we always get to nothing ever good comes from this moment and then mm -hmm. over time you get to be able to disengage from that pattern earlier and earlier Mm. till at some point you see it coming mm -hmm. and yes. that's the moment you've so to speak won because uh, when you can see it coming you can actively disengage before the worst happens and that takes yes. a bit of time and discipline um, but it can be done I've seen mm. it being done um, I've done it for myself um, it, like I said, it takes something, it doesn't always work, but it can be done. And that you can do by yourself because, yes. um, every, every sentient, uh, human, right. Can go, Oh, we've been down that road before. That's, that's very doable. And in those moments, what, what practice could you invite to the listeners that you, they could bring to their partner or to bring to the the relationship that could create a connection or create a different energy or create some form of peace or love between them 
when their their triggers passed or the triggers come and and just to bring some wholeness there well like you were saying earlier you were saying pleasure is your business right um disconnection from a pattern is also your business meaning you can do it for the other person you can only do it for yourself and they can do it for you so um, one of the most effective things is to get back into the body, right? And mm. you can accomplish that by just moving your body. It doesn't have to be, you know, even if you just do a bit of, you know, like wiggling mm. and, you know, shaking and moving the body. So then your energy goes back down and you are capable again of being with um, the other person. And because you're really, being with yourself. Being with, being with you yourself, you can feel yourself, right? So that's the first thing. The other thing is you can agree up front, you know, because typically we have same moments with each other, right? <laughs> Where you can talk about that. You can agree up front on a phrase or a word or a sentence that you say. Um, and that could be something like, what can I do for you right now? Mm-hmm. or what do you need or um, it's always better to extend to the other person than go I need right because the moment <laughs> you go into I they go into I and then you have these things when you go what do you need right now what can we do right things like that then there's a chance that there's enough of a pause you know if the other person then goes well you know go away you ever yeah well then you have to just step away but typically the reaching out right um reaching out either verbally or even physically reaching out if that's appropriate and placing a hand on uh, a knee or a thigh or holding a person's hand right um now i'm saying this of course within the within the consent of a adult um you know, consenting relationship um, where you're not so far gone that uh, a touch is perceived as an attack or something like that, then better not. But uh, in, in, in normal, healthy relationships, when there's a real tension point, it's not a bad idea to just reach over and make the connection because that also humanizes you to your partner and your partner humanizes to you and you're capable of actually going um oh this is my partner right yes yes i do you feel that that becomes easier it's kind of hand in hand to what we were speaking about before when we as women can start to connect to our own self-pleasure our own connection to how we feel being in our body that in correlation to the to our ability to be with ourselves in that way we in those moments we're more likely to choose to put the hand on the knee um and create some kind of connection rather than go back into the martyr and the fight they both feel like choosing connection rather than separation yes i think that's definitely true and once again as i was saying earlier with the pleasure when you are able to supply yourself and you don't look at your partner as the purveyor of all good things, right? Which is a very disempowered stance. Then you can also be a bit more generous because you come from a place of abundance and not a place of lack. And so in general, I think for us as women, this comes also back to the body and not only pleasure but also sensual aliveness the more we can feel that we are supplied with uh the things we want for ourselves right like you have uh you know beautiful colors on you sit in a chair that's clearly comfortable right i have a certain kind of a backdrop that gives me great joy every time i sit in front of zoom right so that's giving to yourself and then that creates a feeling of abundance where you're not, um, you know, you're not constantly going, mine, 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 I need, I need, I need, I need. You can extend. And I've said this many times before, you know, I sound like a broken record, but it's so important. Generosity towards your partner and towards yourself is the, 
is the lubricant for all things, so to speak, right? It makes a relationship work better. It makes you feel better about yourself as well, because generous giving is the, uh, is the antidote to feeling lack and feeling deprived. It's not yes. getting, yes. because because the getting tries to fill a hole that's unfillable, so to speak. The giving yes. um, takes the attention away from that, that lack. And that in an odd way actually does fill the hole. Right? That's very, yes. very uh, workable. And so the abundance and the uh, knowing yourself and knowing your own body also allows us to be a lot more generous to our partner and our friends and children, everyone. Yes. Well, that comes, I have a few questions from listeners who wanted um, to, me to ask you some questions because I think it really is aligned with what you just said. One, one woman says, how can I get my desire back? It's gone. It's completely gone. I have no sexual desire at, at all. And I haven't had sex with my partner in two years. How do I begin? How do I get it back? So that's one question from a listener. So what would you say to her? Well, you know, there's no pat answers for that because we don't know the circumstances, right? So um, the circumstances can range from anywhere, let's say, just busy life and heavy circumstances, right? And lots of stress, all the way to a break in trust, um, a, a, a set of circumstances in a living situation that doesn't make that appropriate. So it's, there's no pat answers of, well, just connect back to your feminine and all will be fine. It's never that simple. Right? And anybody who tells you it's that simple is lying because you have to look at what is it that made that happen. So um, that's, the, that's why there's no pat answer, but there is pointers. And so one of the most important pointers within oneself is the um, having sensual engagement before uh, expecting that there is sexual aliveness or sexual desire. Yes, yes. And that's super, super important. And sensual engagement um, can be done regardless of the circumstances because it's nothing else but engaging the senses. So you can touch your own hands, right? You can play with touch by massaging your own hands. You can smell something that smells really good. You can taste something that's, that's really pleasant. You can look at something that you find very beautiful. You can listen to things that you find uh, enlivening or soothing or that fill you with a sense of enjoyment, right? So accessing your own inner um, richness through your five senses is very doable. When that happens, it wakes up the same faculties that get woken up in desire. So that's one thing to be said. The other thing is, as I was saying earlier, sensitizing to the messages of the body. Because if you don't actually feel pleasure in your body, it's hard to have desire. And that's also very, very important. So there's... um, you know, there's many, many things that you can do. I created an entire six-month course that's called Awakening the Pleasure Body that deals with how do you get to sexual desire. And we don't actually look at sexual things till month five because mm. there's so much waking up and there's so much um, freeing of creativity, freeing of life force, vitality that play into having desire. And then on the partner end, right, it's easy to lose desire for someone with whom we have um, too much commonality, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. we spend too much time together with too much of, uh, you know, we're the same. Uh, sameness, right, doesn't um, make for excitement, doesn't make for, in, in my traditions, they call that erotic friction, right? There isn't a lot of hotness and so um that's a whole other story but you start with yourself and you find what would um fan the flames of the desire so to speak Mm. i love that erotic friction i love that that's so beautiful because i i 
it's almost like we get taught the opposite that that when there's any friction we have to find ways to immediately become the same <laughs> but then but then we all become the same and it kills that that erotic friction that's so beautiful yes. thank you for sharing that Oh, Michaela, it's absolutely wonderful to speak with you. I feel like I could literally, we could do this for two, three hours. This is such a deep and alive and beautiful process. And what I hear more, you say repeatedly, and I, and I think it's so true, is that there actually is no quick fix. This is a, a, a deep, everyday, integrative process and relationship, right, with, with ourselves. <laughs> it is, and at the same same time the quick fix is come back to the body right mm -hmm. uh, when we trust in the wisdom of our body a lot of the things that we can't figure out cognitively actually can happen all by themselves yes. so uh, you know that's not a quick fix as in do this and this will happen but I can say with great confidence connect to your body and your body will unfold things for you that you couldn't even dream of or think of yes. because there is such wisdom in the body that goes beyond our brain development and our intelligence, right? There's a much, much deeper wisdom there. And so the, 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 the hacks, you know, the life hacks happen by coming back into the body, moving the hips, um, taking a bit of time to engage with our senses um, and all of those kind of things. And then that creates an upwelling of the right kind of connection and the right kind of support. Yes. And, and, and so I want to send all the listeners to your non-linear linear movement method, which is all about that waking up the body and somatic release. And just, I love, you know, the untamed wildness in us. I just, so I want to send everyone there and, and your book, Wild Woman's Way, such a beautiful book. I'm halfway through, as I said, and I'm, I'm loving it so much. So Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing us everything that you have today. I know that you have to go to your next session, but I just really appreciate spending this time with you and for all the work that you do. And so thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you.